Well, I can relate to that one young lady. That's how I feel getting ready for my sermons. <laughs> kind of stuff. As I try to rehearse and figure out what to say. <laughs> so that was awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pray before we get started. We're digging, we're still diving deep into 1 Corinthians 15. And we're in uh, verses 35 to 49 this morning. So let's just pray and ask God and his Holy Spirit to translate for us what's being said from the front so that we hear a word from God and not from some preacher, right? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit of God, we pray that you would open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, the eyes of our heart, that we might see wondrous things in your word this morning. In your name we pray, amen. So I have four kids. Uh, My oldest son, uh, it's become a huge joke around my house that basically my oldest son is me. There he is at 23 roughly years old, and he resembles me to the T. He's got six foot one inches tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. My hair, I know, is not quite as blonde as it used to be, but you get the idea. And uh, his approach to life is passionate. And if you actually go back to college days, I I found a picture of myself, all right? (laughs) It's even more of a crazy resemblance. That's me at 23 and Ben at 23, and it's amazing, the resemblance. In fact, Ben lives loud, talks loud, uh, moves loud. I mean, just like his father, right? So it's crazy. My kids love to, to point this out to Ben because they want to get under his skin, right? So the other day, we're in the family room, and we're standing there, and uh, I'm standing like this, like I do with my arms crossed, and we're talking, and the kids are all lined up on the couch, and Ben is standing next to me in the same exact position. And the kids stop the conversation, they say, Look at that, he's even standing like that. Ben, you are dead. And then he's going crazy, right? Um, Now, Ben did not wake up one morning and decide, I'm going to act like my father, right? It was encoded into him at some point, part of the genetic coding he received. And he's just like his dad, really not by choice. It just happened, right? It's called DNA. Now, DNA, scientists say, are that organic chemical that makes up the genes that get coded into us and we become, we resemble our parents, right? Now, even though Ben's received a lot of very positive DNA, those good looks and stuff, you know, from his dad, (laughs) he's also received some other kinds of DNA. Here's my other children. And, you know, this group looks like they have it pretty much all together. But the sad tale is, is that my DNA is damaged. It's broken. And so I have not only just passed down to my kids um, all these good looks and all these other traits, I've also passed down to them the brokenness of my genetic coding. Ben is not just like me in the way he looks and acts and whatever. He's actually got some things that he does that I kind of cringe at. You you relate to me, parents? Ben says things sometimes where I go, oh, man, really? Do you have to say that? My other kids act in ways I go, oh, really? No, no. Because they've received this resemblance to their father and their mother in this brokenness. In fact, If we traced our genetic coding all the way back to the Garden of Eden, we all have damaged DNA, and we resemble our earthly parents, right, our our first parents, all too well. Now, this morning's passage is not really about this resemblance. It's about a different kind of resemblance. It's about the DNA of the resurrection, the fact that we can resemble Jesus Christ because of his DNA, his resurrection life DNA that's pumping through us when we receive him as our Savior and our Lord, okay? Uh, This DNA resurrection life uh, power raises up in us and gives us the kind of new life we're talking about in Christ, right? Now, if I were to try to describe to you how DNA works, 
You'd be bored quickly, and I would probably really mess it up. It's hard to describe how DNA works. It's even harder to describe how resurrection DNA works. Okay, because none of us really have ever experienced or seen resurrection life like exists in heaven, right? So trying to describe how it works is very difficult. But that's exactly what Paul is faced with in our passage this morning. Because there were some people that were questioning the resurrection again in the church of Corinth. They were asking some new questions. They were saying, how in the world does this resurrection work? So look at verses 35 and 36. Paul writes this, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So somebody in the church in Corinth, some of these guys are saying, how's this going to happen, Paul? This resurrection of the body thing, how's it going to work? And with what kind of power can people actually be raised? Paul has a strong reaction. How foolish. What a silly question. Shouldn't ask it that way. And then Paul goes on to try to build an argument for how this is going to work over the next 12 verses or so. Now, remember, Paul is trying to describe the indescribable. He's trying to express the inexpressible. There's nothing on earth that can fully describe this resurrection life we're going to experience someday. So Paul's giving analogies, he's giving us pictures, earthly pictures to try to describe this new reality that we're someday going to experience. Okay? So let's jump into this and see Paul's argument as he weaves it through the passage. Verses 37 and 38 go like this. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. So Paul starts with seeds. He says, you know, seeds don't look anything like the plants that they'll eventually become. They start as a seed, you plant them in the ground, and out comes this amazing body. Okay? So think about this with the resurrection. Right now, you're a seed. In fact, the Greek word here says you're a naked seed. You're not fully clothed. And someday, when you rise from the dead, and you have the power of the resurrection coursing through you to make you fully who you're supposed to be, you will be fully clothed and become all that you're supposed to be in Christ, okay? Now, it's interesting that he says that God gives each body, a person, a body as he has determined, and each seed gets its own body. So let's think about that. A lot of us wonder what we're going to be like in heaven, right? Like, are we going to recognize our relatives? Are we going to know who they are? Are we going to know who each other are? Well, yeah, because you receive your own body just as God determined it. He knit you together in your mother's womb fearfully and wonderfully. So I'm going to know you in heaven. Just think about your first thousand years in heaven. I'm going to be there. <laughs> That's pretty scary, yeah? So, so and we're going to know each other. Now, I don't know if I'm going to have my 58-year-old body. I hope not. I'd rather have that 23-year-old body that we saw on the screen, right? I'd rather be made in that image. But when we run into each other, we're going to know each other because we're going to be made in the image that we're already made in. We're going to have the features that we have today in our physical bodies. Now, some of you might be like, oh, that's, that's, that stinks. I don't like my features. <laughs> I like God to fix some of them. Well, that's, that's kind of because we're, we're jaded by the whole airbrush society we live in, right? Where we have to look a certain way and be a certain way. I mean, I'm going to have this chin in heaven. It's a very large chin. You can plow snow with this thing, <laughs> right? I'm going to have this in heaven. You're going to have your features in heaven. You're gonna, we're going to recognize each other. It's going to be amazing, Right? 
So Paul's answering the question. He's saying, look, um, this new body is going to be the fully clothed version of yourself. And God's going to bring it about from this seed that he's planted right now that is not fully clothed, but a little naked right now. Okay? So that's his first argument. Now he turns his argument. He turns to a new kind of train of thought in verse 39. So here it is. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another. Birds, another. And fish, another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. Now, where's he going with this? Well, Paul's main emphasis here is that, that every kind of physical body on earth has its own unique makeup. Why is he saying this? Well, he's saying it because Plato and Philo wrote that we were a part of this giant soul in the universe and this fiery substance would eventually be set free from the physical world and that people might become stars, they might become suns, they might become moons, might become something else. There's all this thinking out there, right? So Paul's going, no, 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 no. Every physical body has its own kind of makeup and flesh, right? They're all unique. He's actually answering a worldview question. Now, when you When you create a worldview, you answer these four questions, okay? The first one is, who am I? Second one is, where am I? Third one is, what's wrong? The fourth one is, what's the remedy? The Greeks are saying, well, you're in a world that's, you know, evil and you need to escape from it. But Paul in his Jewish, Hebrew, Pharisaical worldview says, no, you are in a world created by God with a very good physical body uniquely made from all the other physical bodies on the planet Earth, okay? You're in a universe where each kind of body shines in its own way and gets honored in its own way. The sun's amazing, but you are just as amazing. The stars are cool, but you're even more cool, okay? What's wrong? Well, the thing that went wrong is not that we're prisoned in the physical realm. The thing that went wrong is that our bodies became slaves to sin and subjected to death. And what's going to be the remedy? God's going to step in. He's going to take these bodies and he's going to animate them, resurrect them through his resurrection power because Jesus powerfully raised from the dead. Whoa. That is awesome. So where's all this going? Well, Paul starts to draw some conclusions. Verses 42 and 43 says this. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. This takes us back to those two kinds of DNA again, right? The DNA of Adam and Eve, perishable, dishonorable, weak, broken. The DNA of Jesus' resurrection, imperishable, powerful, honorable, glorious. Amazing. Now, I knew the kids were here this morning, so I thought we got to try to make this, give this a little picture. What's Paul talking about here? Well, I brought my, my little dog. This is Morgan. He's about 57 and a half years old. I used to sleep with him when I was about, you know, one, two years old. Um, Timothy students may recognize him. I think I used to have him around Timothy some. 
Morgan, because he's so old, he's perishing. He's decaying. He's lost his honor. His fur is rubbed off. He's gone through several surgeries. You can see my mom tried to sew them together. The, 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 the insides are all torn out. The, the eyeballs have fallen out. I mean, this dog is a mess. You know what I'm saying? So look, if I hold him up like this, it's even worse. Watch. He, he droops. His head droops even worse. His booty droops. This is really bad, right? And if you put him like this, it's just kind of, whoa, you can mop the floor with him, right? Kind of a mess. I mean, this dog's decaying. He's following the natural order of everything in the universe presently that's being dragged toward death and decay. Now, the Greeks' answer was, well, throw this out. It's evil. Get rid of it. Be done with it. Get free. But God's answer was, I made this. I love this with all its brokenness, with all its weakness, with all its powerlessness. And someday, through the power of Jesus, I'm going to resurrect it from the dead. Whoa. Now, I can't make this dog look any better. You know, for this illustration, it should really, now, something should happen. (laughs) But I can't make anything happen because I'm just... Jeff, I'm not Jesus. But someday Jesus is going to make something really awesome happen. Now, I was thinking about this. Where does this touch down in real life? This whole concept. Well, it starts with you and me. You ever get sick of yourself? I do. I get sick of putting my foot in my mouth. I get sick of my tendency toward anxiety. I get sick of saying the wrong things to my wife and my kids. I get sick of so many qualities I have that are part of my brokenness. I mean, we could go on and on. If you talk to my wife, she has a whole list. <laughs> I was driving in the car yesterday with my daughter, and uh, my daughter, my third-born daughter is this gentle soul, and I'm driving, and some guy from North Carolina is in front of me. I'm just ranting and raving like, look at this guy. There's nobody anywhere else on the road. He's driving two miles per hour. Get out of my way. Go back to North Carolina. My daughter's like, Dad, Dad, settle down. Cool it down. I'm sick of myself. Ben Franklin was so sick of himself that he literally started to work on virtues one per month. And he said that when he left the first virtue, moving on to the second one, he would lose all the first virtue and start all over again. Doesn't that sound familiar? We are powerless to change our brokenness, our situation. We can't do it. But Jesus' resurrection power can make us new, both now and in the future. From this naked husk, this naked seed, God's going to raise up a fully clothed version of Jeff Klein someday. And someday when I walk before Jesus, he's going to say to me, Jeff, it is finally finished. The same thing will happen for you. You know where else this touches down in real life for me? I was thinking back to my first time of being at a funeral. It was my grandma's funeral, my dad's mom. I was eight years old. I remember standing by my grandma's casket, looking in the casket and thinking, this is messed up. This is not the way it's supposed to be. I shed a lot of tears at that first funeral, and since then I've been at countless funerals. And I know that someday, all those people that have received this Jesus in their life, I'm going to see them again. Now, you know, they may look whole different. My grandma, when she died, she was six feet tall with a lot of gray hair. She may look like a, who knows, a supermodel in heaven. 
But the reality is, I'm going to see her. We're going to run through heaven. We're going to hang out. What an amazing hope. You know where else this touches down in real life for me? It's, it's my, in my own family because I'm the oldest of five children. And my youngest brother, he was born in some unusual circumstances. He came out the wrong way. He came out without oxygen for 45 minutes. And he ended up getting damage to the physical part of his brain. So he has cerebral palsy. He's lived in a wheelchair for 45 years. Um, and so Chris, Chris's hands are twisted like this. His legs are kind of tilted in. He, he drools a lot and wobbles, and he can't really make words with his mouth. Chris has never dressed himself. He's never taken himself to the bathroom. He's never fed himself a meal. He's an amazing kid. He, he went through Hope College typing his papers with his feet. He speaks with a machine that he types in with his toes, the words. He's the only guy in the world that can preach a sermon and fall asleep during his own sermon <laughs> because the machine just keeps talking for him. So that's my little joke I say to him all the time. So, but you know what? Uh, we have had people pray over Chris. We have had Chris in therapy. But Chris's body just will not respond. But someday, someday because of this resurrection from the dead thing, I'm going to run through heaven with my brother, Chris. We're going to play golf together. We're going to play hockey together. He'll probably kick my booty, right? Because he's going to get the extra grace from God to do that. But the great thing is we'll be together running through heaven because of this power, powerful resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And I love this because in verse 44 here, when Paul says, It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. He's answering the question there in Greek. He's talking about what animates this. It's like God's going to animate this this deadness into new life. He's going to pour this this life into this. And by his power, amazing things are going to happen beyond our imagination. So Paul finishes his argument. He gets a little more specific now. Verses 45 to 49, he goes like this. So it is written... The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. And as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. So someday, we're going to resemble Jesus. You know how when he came back and was risen from the dead, even on planet earth... He like walked through locked doors. He disappeared and ended up in another place. I mean, he ate ate some food. But you know, the air travel industry is going to have a real hard time in the new heaven, the new earth. We won't really need them. Because I'm going to be able to go, I'm going to Australia. See you later. Boom. I don't know how that works, but it's going to be amazing. You're going to be just like Jesus. I'm going to be just like Jesus. We're going to resemble his resurrected uh, body, his resurrected self. It's going to be amazing. We're going to bear that image. Now, I thought I could end the sermon here, but when I read verse 49, I had to do something a little special here. So let's look at 49 together. Look at this. And just as we have borne the image or been clothed of the earthly man, so we shall bear the image or be clothed of the heavenly man. That little so shall we there in Greek actually says, let us also be clothed with the heavenly man. So there's something Paul's thinking about in the present here. He's not just talking about a future reality. He's saying, look, you already have the resurrection life of Jesus pulsing through your spirit. When you leave this place today, you get to be the presence of that resurrection life in the world. 
wherever you go. So that means we get a chance to change the world because the power of the resurrection is already pulsing through us. Now, sometimes we make this way too complicated. So I want to tell you about something that happened right here in Elmer's church in the last couple weeks. Our youth pastor, Andy, I was talking to him a few weeks ago, and he told me that he was really broken up about the school shooting in Fort Lauderdale. So he decided to give a talk in youth group, and he titled it, Hashtag Perhaps Love. And his premise was, what if we as Christians took seriously the idea of loving the world to the point where people that were like lonely and broken and struggling, maybe somebody would come around them and love them. So think about that guy that shot the school up in Fort Lauderdale. It said that he had called 911 because his parents had died. He had tried to reach out for help and nobody helped him. Now, I'm not giving him any excuse to go shoot up a school. But what if somebody would have loved him? Could we have prevented a school shooting? This was Andy's question. Well, his youth group listened, his youth sponsors listened, and one of them is a teacher in a middle school north of here. She left youth group and thought to herself, how do I bring this to my public school? I can't talk about Jesus there, but how do I bring this resurrection life and make it happen right there? So she went to her classroom. She painted on her blackboard in permanent paint, hashtag perhaps love. When her students walked in, she said, we're not going to talk about class today. I want to talk about this idea of treating each other differently and the school shooting. And she kind of went through the whole explanation that Andy had given. And then she invited students in that class that day, if you want to be part of this perhaps love movement in our school, write your name on the board as a commitment. You want to be part of it. And then go live differently with your fellow students. Well, by the end of the class, there were probably 20-some names on there. By the end of the day, there were 120 names on there. By the end of the week, most of the school had signed the blackboard. Do you know the school board has heard about this now? The school board. They want to know what's going on in this school. And this teacher says she's actually noticed kids acting differently to each other. Now, I just want to show you, this is amazing. Resurrection life bubbles up in all kinds of ways, right? God made you uniquely who you are. You get to just go out and live this out in the way that he uniquely made you in the context where he placed you. So I'm going to show you this video that they made. The students made a video telling the story of this, and it's, it's pretty good. Well, let's check, check it out. sitting in fourth period, last period, uh, in history of the Holocaust, Miss Seamus' classroom, 1214, uh, on the first floor of the freshman building, and with about 20 minutes of class left, I heard the first shots that I've ever heard in my life of a gun. What if you could change the world? What if it was free and simple to do? Perhaps love could end war. Perhaps love could give you the power to make someone happy, because the world needs more happiness. Perhaps love can postpone tears. We're living in a society where we're looking for the answers to violence, racism, intolerance, and prejudice. What if the solution was simple? What if it was, well, perhaps love? Perhaps love could end school violence. Perhaps love can conjure a pole. Perhaps love could bring the world together. Perhaps love, not anger. To quote my favorite artist, Pink, we take the gravel, and we take the shell, and we make a pearl. We help others to change so that they can see more kinds of beauty. Perhaps love can do that. 
Perhaps love can change a devastating idea into an inspiring one. Perhaps love can spark new ideas. Are you up for the challenge? The hour, thousands of students are expected to walk out of their schools. A mass protest across the nation against gun violence. This is happening one month to the day since the tragic shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. But here at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, this is viewed as a way of honoring the 17 lives lost. Students are expected to come out here for 17 minutes honoring those lives that were lost exactly one month ago today in Savannah and Motion. At that middle school, no kids walked out. They stayed in school and they committed to loving each other in a different way. That is resurrection power released into the world through an ordinary person who decided to make a difference in some small way. So let's get a hold of this, guys. And let's get out there and make the world a better place. Amen. Let's pray. Pray. Lord Jesus, um, thank you for this promise of new life, that you're going to finish what you started, that you're going to make us completely new. Thank you, Lord, that you've planted your resurrection power in us. We pray that you would speak to us through your spirit about how we can take it to the places where we live, work, and play. In your name we pray. Amen.